I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey folks, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. I am Brian. Here with me is Chris. And uh, Chris, the Mets, we're recording this on a Thursday night. I'm sorry, Wednesday night. And the Mets just wrapped up a series split with the Minnesota Twins. Not the easiest of victories, especially with how far ahead the Mets were earlier tonight. Uh, last night, the Mets had a really rough night behind Jacob deGrom where even an extremely inning comeback could not pull out a victory for the team. You know, we've seen them now have a good road trip and a middling to poor homestand. How are you feeling generally about the team before we start talking specifically about the last week or so? Yeah. <laughs> Cue the um, home road splits talk. Uh you know, which tends to be a favorite topic uh, in, in lots of places. But, yeah, I guess I still feel the same. You know, they – I think what they've done so far is shown us who they are. And it's a team that can be fun when things are going well. And when the flaws are being displayed, it's not so much fun. You know, it's a team that can absolutely hang in there and compete in this division. Um you know, if things go wrong, they won't. And if things go wrong for other teams or if things go exceptionally well for them, then, you know, maybe they can pull ahead. Uh, but, yeah, overall, I'm, I'm feeling like 
okay, you know, this is a team I want to watch, a season I want to follow. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I um, If I want to be super optimistic, which, you know, we, we've established long ago that you are the optimist on the show, not me. But, uh, you know, if I want to be super optimistic, I can look at the three Met losses in the five-game homestand and say that for the first one, it was purely exhaustion. You know, the Mets had left Miami. They didn't, there was a random drug test done after their night game in Miami. And so they did not get back to New York until I think it was something like 2.30 in the morning. And then it was a one o'clock start time for the home opener. So I, I can write off a game when they didn't score any runs and when they generally looked lethargic for legitimate reasons of exhaustion. Wheeler's start on Sunday was god-awful, and there's no real excuse for that. And, you know, they, they came back with a, a, a lot of offense late in the game, but it wasn't enough. And then DeGrom had a similarly bad start last night, a night that was delayed by rain and that was colder than they had played any game thus far. And, you know, it had been a year since DeGrom had a bad start. So it's not like any of these point to sort of systematic problems with the Mets necessarily. Um, you know, these are the types of games that tim- the teams tend to lose. When your best pitchers have bad games, you typically lose those games. Um if this trend continues, I will be more concerned. But I think thus far, like you said, the team is just kind of showing us who they are so far this year. And one thing that I don't think I expected, and I, I can't speak for you just yet about this, I did not expect this team to be as strong offensively as they have been thus far. Um, is this a surprise for you as well? Um, Nothing. I don't want to say no. I don't want to, I'm not going like a, oh, I was right angle with it. But I mean, I think I was pretty negative about everything about this team coming into the season. Yeah, I think, uh, you, I think you were. But yeah, no, the offense is not, it's not shocking to me. Uh, I guess Alonzo being this good has helped to, to carry it. Uh, you know, when Nimmo and Cano have kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, but it's, yeah, I, I, it's not an offense that I think is doing anything that was not expected. Um, you know, maybe it works a little bit better altogether. Yeah, I, I think that's that's more what I've been seeing. It's just, it, it seems like this is an offense that is allowing the Mets to have big innings. And it's been a long time since we've seen that from the Mets. It seems like this is a team that can pile on, and when somebody gets on base... It it really does seem like anything could happen. This team is not. I, I think they said it on the broadcast. Was it last night or was it Sunday? That basically Gary Cohen said that this team has not given up uh, at bats late in the game. That they have not really laid down and quit late in the game. And, you know they've just continued to really fight and really put up these these crooked numbers. And it's it's nice to see that. And I think that. It's been a combination of a few things. You mentioned, you know, Pete Alonso being really good out of the shoot. I think we've seen that even a not-so-hot Robinson Cano is an improvement over a lot of what we've seen from the Mets infield the last couple of years. So 
it's nice to see that. Uh, Wilson Ramos has not been hitting the cover off the ball, but he's been very consistent and putting the ball in play and having some nice um, situational hitting. You know, McNeil has not been super hot, but Conforto, my goodness. Conforto looks like one of the hottest hitters in baseball right now, the way he's driving the ball at the moment. So I, I think for me, it's not that I didn't believe the individual players could have these seasons or, or these seasons. I'm saying seasons like it's been more than two weeks, but, you know, <laughs> uh, these performances. But it, it, to see them all sort of string this together, it gives me a little bit more hope for this team because they have won some games where their pitching has been not very good. And I was really under the impression that this was going to be one of those seasons that if the pitching was off, the Mets were going to lose most of those games. Yeah, I guess that's... Well, I think that might still be true, but (laughs) only because the pitching could be so incredibly off, you know? Right, but I I don't know if that's going to last necessarily from some of these starters. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, I, I hope. Uh, not I, I, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the uh, our friends over at a pot of their own last night talked a little bit about the. Um, the how, how can I put this? The the general state of disarray for the National League East's bullpens. And, and that's certainly true for the Mets, but it is it is very true for Washington as well, and and Atlanta, and to a lesser degree Miami and Philadelphia. Um, actually, I think Philadelphia is actually having a worse bullpen stretch right now than than even the Mets are. But regardless, it's just it, it the bullpens are a problem all around the National League East right now, which to me seems to have a pretty simple solution which is that one of the best closers in baseball history, if we're speaking hyperbolic, or at least one of the best closers in recent baseball history, is available for nothing other than money at this point in this in the season. And it seems like there's not a ton of interest in Craig Kimbrell, Kimbrell out there. And so the Mets should be able to sweep in and get him for a reasonable deal for a year or two. And all of a sudden, it doesn't fix your bullpen issues, but it gives you a really nice weapon to turn to on a night when, for whatever reason, Diaz isn't available or the rest of your bullpen has been taxed. Having Kimbrel come out of the bullpen, man, that, that just sounds too enticing to not take seriously. Do you think there's any chance, and I mean within a reasonable, you know, obviously there's a chance of everything happening, but is there any sort of reasonable expectation on your part at the Mets make serious inquiries into Craig Kimball? I can't say that name tonight. Kimbrell. <laughs> uh, no, because I don't think there's any reasonable chance that they'll do anything that costs money to help them this year. Uh, you know, from here on out, it's, you know, it's a weird situation, but it, you know, you look at the, the division and sure it's still extremely early, but all four of the teams that are, major league teams in the national league East, uh, their bullpens have just been awful. You know, the, the Phillies by ERA at the moment of this recording, um, the nationals have been the worst in all of baseball. Um, the Mets have been the fifth worst. The Braves have been the ninth worst and the Phillies have been the 13th worst, which is far enough 
and down the list that <laughs> you could you know reverse it and say where they ranked uh, in, in a more positive sense, but it's still they're all they're all in below the back average. half of the league. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and it's um, I I just don't know. It, it it shocks me at this point that he's not back with the Braves because the Braves kind of like the Cardinals seem to have this thing that, you know, oh, you came up with this team and you're, you know, you're always a part of this, this organization, you know, you know, this sense of brave, always a brave type thing. Right. Brian McCann going back to the Braves is like the, you know, most Braves move of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm shocked that they haven't worked something out with Kimbrell. Um, but yeah, I just don't know. I I I really don't expect the Mets to take it seriously. Uh, you know, I think, and I do think some of the Mets relievers are better than what they've shown early on. Sure. Um, you know, Diaz has been uh, human, not just straight dominant. Um, Familia has struggled, and you know, I think he's uh, definitely better than what he's looked like so far. And Lugo's you know, had a rough go of it thus far. Although yeah, he's, he's sort of righted the ship the last two appearances a bit. Yeah, so you know these these guys could settle in, and you know it could improve on its own. But it is just sort of highlighted. You know, tonight's game was kind of a good example. You you have Diaz hadn't pitched since Saturday. You know, it's it, it was a Wednesday night game, and it's a game that really it was a big enough lead that getting your two best relievers in there should be somewhat embarrassing or at least concerning. Right. Um, but then Diaz pitches the night before they go to Atlanta for four straight games and go straight to Philly for three there. And, you know, you, you just look at it and go, Hmm, you know, that, that wasn't really ideal. Um, you know, and the, this team has not, had the support from the lesser relievers where you could go, all right, they're up four or five runs, um, you know, in Atlanta, maybe we can just get through this game with the starter and, uh, you know, and a couple other relievers who aren't Diaz and Familia, but yeah, I, I, not only that, but you know, sorry to interrupt you there, Chris, but you know, the last two nights you've had the two most, on paper, surefire starters the Mets have going for them. Throw. Right. So going into Atlanta with Mats, Wheeler, and Vargas as your first three pitchers, you're probably going to need your bullpen a fair amount in those games. None of those guys are particularly known for going deep into games at this point in their careers. So you would think that prioritizing having a fresh bullpen would be, you know, something Callaway would have considered tonight. But... I also understand you want to get Diaz throwing regularly. You don't want to have him sit out for, you know, for five or six days without throwing. I totally understand that. But it just seems to me like you can have him throw a side session. You have him do extra work. There's plenty you could do that doesn't involve putting him in the game and possibly burning him out for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you look at all that stuff and then it's like, okay. This is where somebody of Craig Kimbrell's caliber would uh, – Craig Kimbrell's caliber. That's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
you know, but somebody like that could come in and, and drastically change things and give you the option to use two guys and still have one of them available for tomorrow. Um, you know, and not that Familiar or Diaz looked like they'd be unavailable tomorrow. But they might be but, available Friday if they throw tomorrow. Right, yeah. So you, you have a cumulative effect um, in, in play. So, you know, I, uh, we, we see the um, devil's advocate or just straight up Kimbrel haters or whatever uh, throwing out things like, oh, he's not going anywhere where he can't close or, you know, they're not going to pay him. That part I agree with. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's, I, I think the notion, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe Kimbrell is saying I need to be your, you know, your closer or I'm not coming there. Um, but the notion that a reliever must be racking up saves to make money is sort of an old thing. You know, it's to the extent that free agents have gotten paid, there hasn't been a huge difference between a closer and other relievers who are, you know, high leverage, good pitchers. Right. And you figure for Kimbrell at this point in in the in the season, unless a closer blows their arm out, most teams that's that's the first piece of their bullpen they're trying to, to sort out in the off season. So it's not like there's going to be that many openings unless somebody gets really hurt or is like Trevor Rosenthal level bad, but hopefully the team has not put together their pitching staff with their ACE reliever with the potentiality for being that bad. Potentiality is not a word for the potential. Um, You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't, I don't know what what Kimbrel's really waiting for unless he's waiting for an injury. And while that's likely to happen, we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know what team is going to happen. And we don't know if it's going to happen in August, at which point he's no, he's not really a use to anybody anyway. Yeah. I would think he wants to play. I would think he wants to play for a, a team that has a chance to contend. And I would think maybe at this point you can entice him with, hey, your old team needed a needed a you know some bullpen help and they didn't bring you back come to us and help us make them eat shit <laughs> you know I, I like it i like the angle anything that gets us saying eat shit braves yeah exactly <laughs> is is a good thing in my mind yeah i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I guess uh, on a similar topic, do you do you have... I know you think those, those are going to spend on anything, but 
would they be more likely to spend on Kimbrel or Keuchel? Hmm. That's a good question. <sighs> I guess I could say I, I, I'd go with Keuchel. Slightly. Yeah, I think that just from a sort of practical standpoint, uh, Brody Van Wagenen had a say in assembling this bullpen. And so for him to sign a free agent at this point in the season would mean that he would feel that his offseason was not as successful as it could have been. Whereas he had nothing to do with the starting rotation. You know, he this is a rotation he's inherited. And I think it's very easy for him to say, look, we thought we had more on paper than we have with this rotation. We need to to bolster it. I think that makes him look better than sort of admitting defeat from his own offseason. That might be overthinking everything, but does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it does. And, you know, whether or not it's true, we, you know, that he would approach it that way, we don't, we don't know. You know, his stock answer would be that we're always looking for ways to improve the team, you know, and we always want to get better. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it makes sense. And, you know, on, on top of that, uh, nobody in the bullpen who's going to rack up the percentage of innings uh, that Vargas is in the starting rotation is as bad as Vargas. <laughs> you know, Diaz, Familia, Wilson, uh, you know, even uh, Lugo, Avalon. Gazelman, maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah, Gazelman, maybe. I don't know yet. Um, but you know, most of the guys who are there should have much better numbers in a couple of weeks and a couple of months than they do today. You know, Avalon's ERA was what, like 23 right, or something, you know, like that's an obvious one. I'm not, I'm not making any bold prediction with that, but you know, these are guys who I can see looking like they've returned to form in a, a fairly short period of time. Jason Vargas might be toast. I mean, it, it was in Miami. He gave up just laser beam line drives. Yeah, I think we said this on the show, but in any other ballpark, he would have given up three or four home runs that game. Right, and then on you know the the Tuesday night game uh, in Queens, he comes in and pitches the ninth, and it was just like, oh, this is still batting practice. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, yeah, it, like just not even close. Like Bartolo at his worst could have games where maybe he looked like that, but. You know, this is what Vargas has looked like in every inning he's pitched this year. You know, the one start went well. Uh, I guess the best way to put it is that, you know, he has the one start that despite giving up tons of hard contact, you know, he comes out of it and he has, um, let's see, let's let's be accurate and read baseball reference on the the podcast. On the podcast. That is part of our, uh, our routine at this point. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> so five innings, two runs. All right, he's got a 3.60 ERA through one start. And then he makes a one-inning appearance, and his ERA is nine. You know, that, look, maybe I'll be completely wrong on him, and he'll he'll string together 10 or 15 good starts in a row and, you know, look like a, a, a solid fifth starter. But I, I, I don't see it. I, I mean, this looks like a guy who... 
And the Twins lineup is good. So yes, I'm not, I'm not yeah. putting that down. But this is a guy who gave up a lot of hard contact to a terrible Marlins team. You know, got destroyed by the Twins in one inning. Um, I, if, if, unless there's a miracle signing, uh, and even if there was, I don't think, you know, Keuchel would come in and start on Saturday. <laughs> no. I think Vargas in Atlanta is something that, um, I'm glad that I have other plans on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that it's too early to panic about the starting rotation. And I don't think either of us are necessarily panicking about it. I just think that if we're looking for obvious ways to improve this team, the pitching staff is where it has to happen, right? Especially because we've already seen the Mets have an overcrowded infield in some ways, and it's only going to get worse when Frazier and Lowry get back. So offensively, I don't think there's too much you can do to improve the team, nor do you really want to at this time because the team is looking good offensively. So the, the help has to come in for the pitching staff. And... You know, no matter how many innings a bad reliever throws for the team, it will be far less than the innings a bad starter throws for the team. Right. And any of the guys in the bullpen, you can squint hard enough and see them having a role on a pennant winning team. I, I really think it's hard to squint and see Jason Vargas as the fifth starter on a team that wins the division or wins the pennant. Right. Yeah, and and you have, you know, three guys in a row, and I know they've talked about breaking them up, um, you know, maybe more than they have already. With re- they did a slight reshuffle uh, to split up the lefties, right? Yeah, but then with the way it's lined back up, they're going to be in a row again anyway. Are they right? Oh no, wait, wait, no, no, nope, they're not. Matt's Wheeler, Vargas, right? Yeah. Okay, so that was the reshuffle, but. I don't care what hand they throw with the five <laughs> innings is the best case that all of them are doing right now. You know, it's, it's, and I think going back to the bullpen thing, that's what makes Familia Diaz in a game that they led nine to one, a little more frustrating. You know, you might need both of those guys, um, you know, <laughs> to pitch a full inning three nights in a row in Atlanta. Uh, and now that they both pitched in Wednesday night's game, I don't think that's a reasonable ask for either one of them. No. I mean, you might be able to get them to pitch Thursday and Friday, maybe, and even that is a big ask. Right. Well, then uh, you're looking at it going, all right, these two games aren't Vargas, at least. You know, Matt's, for all that, you know, uh, all that's negatively directed at him, and and I think rightfully so, uh, right now, just in terms of you know inefficiency with pitches and innings pitched, he does have an ERA under one. You know, like it's you could look at these two games and say, all right, Wheeler had a, a stinker on Sunday. Um, you know, Matts is pitching well; he's just not going deep. And you can look and go, okay. Familia Diaz are fully available for the first two games. 
Saturday night, Jason Vargas is just going to get destroyed and Corey Os- Oswald's going to come in and <laughs> clean Excuse up the me. mess. Yeah, exactly. And then we have DeGrom going on Sunday night for the uh, for the series finale. And, it, you know, you never know in any given game. You, you, Vargas could give up fewer runs than DeGrom in the series. But... um yeah, I, w- I wouldn't bet on that. So, yeah, just enough enough with Jason Vargas. <laughs> I I wonder if there's ever a point this season that the Mets agree with you. Yeah, uh, we can only hope. Yeah, we can. Um, so when we spoke last week, we had you know just six games under the Mets belt for us to sort of look at and begin to talk about how we felt the team was, was doing. And, you know, now we have a bigger sample than that. We've talked a bit about some surprises, some, you know, pitching performance. I just want to talk for a minute about though. I think one thing that we all maybe hoped for, but we didn't know was going to necessarily be the case. And that is just how dominant Pete Alonso has been so far. Yeah. Oh uh, man, it's been fun. I somehow picked him up on Monday in one of my fantasy leagues. He was not taken by anybody. And wow. uh, that has paid off very well already. Yeah, so. no, he was he was drafted uh in my leagues once by me and then the other one by somebody else. Uh kind of wishing that I had gone all in on both. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, but the, the the dude has just looked super impressive at the plate. I, mean, I don't know what else to say. You know, he's, yeah. he's he's had power to all fields. He has not just been hitting home runs, but hitting the ball with authority all over the field. And the home runs he hits are no doubters, beautiful moonshots. Man, this is a player that I think the Mets fans are going to absolutely fall in love with and should be able to root for for a very long time. All things uh, going well, hopefully. Yeah, right now, and obviously this applies to everything, but super early. Uh, but dude's hitting 366, 435, 878. Jeez. Um, you know, coming into this, this, uh, this game tonight, his ISO was a little bit higher and it was the best in baseball and slightly higher than Mike Trout's and Mike Trout is obviously excellent all the time, but Trout has been absolutely on fire to start his season. Um, you know, hopefully for the sake of baseball and one of my fantasy teams, the groin injury isn't anything significant, but, (laughs) but, um, you know, like it's not just Trout; it's two ninety three WRC plus Trout that Alonzo is starting the season hanging in. You know, with with that kind of production. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's I guess the default Mets fan thing to do is to think back to somebody else who had a really great start um, to their major league career, and then kind of you know, fell off the face of the earth, but like Mike, Jacobs? I think it's a little bit, was that like Mike Jacobs perhaps? Yeah. 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 No, of course he's the, he's the go-to. Um, 
even Ike Davis to a certain extent, right? And and I, like I know the way his career played out might have been, uh, you know, not entirely on him. The whole Valley Fever thing, you know, how much that factored in. But you know, he comes up and he makes a, a strong first impression, and then kind of struggles, um, you know, uh, for for a while. Uh, so that kind of thing, and especially since Jacobs and Davis were both first basemen. Uh, yeah. So I know that that's probably something that people are thinking. But at the same time, Alonzo had more of the uh, the prospect pedigree, so to speak. Right. So when you see that and you see the guy come up and, and just rake to start his career – it's totally justifiable to be <laughs> excited and into it and you know hey this this guy might be the prolific power hitter of this generation of Mets um you know and then it's been pointed out in several places over the last uh 24 hours uh i guess yeah he he probably hit his second home run just about 24 hours ago. Yeah. Uh, last night. But, you know, the 11 extra base hits in his first 10 games being something that nobody in baseball has ever done. Uh, you know, that you hear that and you go, oh, wow, all right. That's exciting. You know, there's a long way to go before we consider him to be on like a judge or Stanton level of prolific power hitter in the major leagues. But, you know, you start doing things like this this early and you're going to get everybody's attention. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be really fun to watch him over the next few weeks and months. You know, he's going to struggle a little bit. He's going to get, you know, found out a little bit in terms of pitch selection. But it's going to be fun just watching him hit the shit out of the ball. I don't know what else to say. You know, he's yeah. just, you know, we, we saw that one uh, Cano home run. I think it was over the weekend where he did like a very small, it wasn't a bat, which is like a dropping of the bat, but it was this total confident, like, yeah, I hit that and I knew it was going out. And I yeah. feel like there hasn't been a Met in a while that has done that with any regularity. Like, you know, there just hasn't been that that swagger of a home run hitter for the Mets in a long time. And I think Alonso has that potential to be that just I mean, he's hit some moonshots to dead it to straightaway center. Yeah, the home run that is. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the home run in Miami um was just I mean, that was the one that everybody the instant it happened, everybody was just like, Oh, like what like <laughs> how? You know, I mean it just destroyed that baseball but the one the the first one i think if my memory is correct on the the sequence the first one that he hit in the tuesday night game was that went, off the end of the bat i think so i mean it went pretty high up in the air too and it still cleared the fence in center field you know it, that wasn't one where he smoked the ball and you you know we're sitting there in awe but it was one that you know, looked like it might not be much and it was a home run. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not like Mr. RBI guy here, 
but the Mets have played 11 games. He's got 15 RBIs. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, hashtag on pace uh, for 221. Like that, it, nobody is predicting that he'll have 221 runs batted in. But, you know, when you when you just take that out and put it over the course of a season, it illustrates how good somebody's been. Absolutely. You know, to play for two weeks at a 221 RBI pace is pretty impressive. <laughs> and, you know, if you play, uh, if, you, if you play a month or two months and it's half of that, that's still like, wow, that, you know, that dude is, is bringing people in. I, I mean, I was at the Tuesday night game and before Gazelman and Vargas just gave the twins double the runs for you know nothing (laughs) uh but before that happened i had said to the people i was there with you know if alonzo comes up with men on base the mets are going to win this game and obviously you don't know how it would have played out and what would have happened in a different circumstance but when it got to that point that alonzo was coming up if it was still seven to four maybe even just eight to four you know there, there could have been a very good chance that he would have done something to, uh, to get the Mets, you know, at least tied up or, or maybe even ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it just it, it, it's it's a a really bright spot for the Mets right now, and it can be really easy to fall in love with the idea of a core of the team. You know, built up around Alonso, Conforto, Nimmo, McNeil, and Rosario, all of whom are young players that were brought up through the Mets system who can be held on to for relatively cheaply if the Mets start extending them sooner than later. Probably not Conforto in that category because of his relationship with uh, Scott Boris, but just the idea of being able to lock up some of these young players and really focus the team offensively for the next few years is a very exciting proposition for me. And I think McNeil McNeil really needs an O on the end of his name to fit in with everybody else. He mentioned. (laughs) That's true. I didn't even realize that. That's true. It's fun. And it's fun. The the good Italian that I am should, should should appreciate all these vowel last names. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how you know how that lines up, and if Rosario could really develop into a hitter who you'd want in the top part of the order, they could all bat in a row. So that would be fun. That uh, would but be fun. As it stands, there are plenty of them in the lineup. So, okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're, we're running out of time for tonight, but I do want to talk next week maybe about the Mets catching situation a little bit. Because I think that there is some some food for thought there. But let's get to our email before we get too much further into this show. We got All an email right. this week from uh, a listener from Sweden. It's always nice to get a uh, an email from far away. It, it's easy to forget sometimes that we're not just talking to each other, but the people hear this, <laughs> including people in Sweden. So um, yeah, it, and uh, and and it's not Anders. So we have. We have two Swedish we, listeners. Yes, we have at least two Swedish listeners. Look at that. And so, to, to both of them, sorry, I keep. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, to, to both of them, I will say that the 15 minutes I spent in your country uh, was was great. Um, there's, <laughs> you may be familiar with the very very random or seemingly random to a foreigner uh, pedestrian bridge into Finland, in the very northern extreme uh, of Sweden. But I, I've been to Sweden for a few minutes. It looks a lot like Finland. And uh, yeah, yeah. I did. Someday, hopefully soon, we can do a, a proper visit and maybe do an, a, a Swedish ARG. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll put this out there. If our Swedish listeners want to fly us over to do a live podcast, I think both of us will be open to doing a live podcast in Sweden. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like... An afternoon game might be the way to do it, you know, where it's uh, where it's not starting at 3 a.m. Although if we could do a 3 a.m. like watch the Mets and podcast in Sweden, I'd still be absolutely down for that ridiculous proposition. <laughs> we'll make it happen. What I'm saying is uh, Daniel and, you know, anyone else who's out there listening that we don't know about yet, you know, make it happen. You know, just, you know, we're, we're very expensive, but worth it. So... Hmm. You know, make us an offer, and we'll make it happen. Anyway. Some beer go. almost wound up in my microphone. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Sorry about that. No, no, no. That's that's good. <laughs> okay. So here's the email. Uh, with inspiration from the Mets season ticket salesperson that approached Chris earlier this year, here's the question. Uh, please help me understand what the actual point of having an experienced bench coach is if he doesn't whisper in Callaway's ear if he should double switch or not, or for other in-game decisions. And that's from Daniel from Sweden. Hey, we talked I, about this. I, Go ahead. Oh, no, I appreciate the uh, please help me understand reference. Yes. <laughs> At the game on Tuesday in person, somebody brought up that phrase to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was with people who were familiar with the exchange and the right. tweets and all, all that. So not some like random stranger. But yeah, Still. a friend brought up, please help me understand. So yeah. I just want to say I appreciate the phrasing. And now I will shut up. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know, Jim Riggleman is supposed to be the guy stopping Callaway from doing dumb things. But I think for Riggleman to be able to do his job effectively, Callaway has to listen to him. And we don't know what that's like. You know, We don't know what their relationship is like. We don't know if Callaway was happy with Riggleman or if that was, you know, a, a hire that he didn't have as much to do with. We just really don't know enough about their working relationship yet 
to make any sort of definitive statement on that. But I will say that, you know, Riggleman was pitched as the guy who was supposed to help Callaway in this exact situation. And he has not done that at all yet. Whether that's because Callaway isn't listening or because Riggleman is worse than we remember or because he is hoping Callaway fails so he can take the job or or pizza. I don't know. But, you know, it just seems like there is a uh, there's a real disconnect between what Riggleman's supposed to be doing and what's actually happening. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of these things that's really tough to quantify. I mean, we, we know we've seen uh, double switches and other moves that have been curious. So, you know, we don't know who to assign the blame to or credit uh, when, when they're going well. Um, you know, it's hard to judge managers. So it's even harder to judge bench coaches, but the overall point here is valid. You know, Riggleman was seen as somebody who could help do exactly these sorts of things. And, um, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's calling any shots right now. You know, it's just kind of the same stuff from last year. There was a point on Tuesday night that, and thankfully it was just, uh, you know, the, the sound people getting a little bit ahead of the game. Uh, but when Guillaume's song came on, but he wasn't officially announced into the game, and then they pulled him back and sent somebody else up instead. Uh-huh. But for a few seconds there, I was like, did he just burn Guillaume for literally no reason? You know, not, <laughs> right. there, there wasn't a pitching change. It was just, yeah, this is the pinch hitter. Oh, wait, no, it's not. It's this other guy. And because of the things that had transpired last year, I thought that he might have just burned Guillaume for absolutely no reason. Um, turned out to not be the case. But, yeah, yeah, that's – I don't know. I mean, there might be some other benefit to Riggleman. Um, you know, maybe over the course of the season, his influence is stronger on in-game moves. Um, you know, maybe maybe he's just better suited to uh, to – the role, you know, whatever gets offloaded on the that coach, you know, maybe he'll be better at that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I still maintain, and I've said it a few times in the past, but you know, and and as people consider the balance of front office and manager and who's calling the shots and and all that. You know, this is something that might not sit well with traditionalists, but during a game, I don't think the best vantage point for making decisions is in the dugout. Like, I know these guys have spent at a Chris lot of McShane. time. At Chris McShane is where to send the uh, replies to this comment. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it, it's not a great angle. And I know they all have, you know, even Mickey Callaway as a manager for one season and a pitching coach for several before that and a player before that. I know they've all seen the game from the dugout a lot. And I know that like if you're used to that, you can you can adjust. But from the dugout, you can't tell if your pitcher's missing missing inside or outside. You can read your catcher and pitcher's reactions or or you know and all that and and sort of make those conclusions but you know you you just 
can't see the game as well as somebody who's got, you know, a, a, a better look at how a pitcher is pitching or what your defense actually looks like, um, you know, in, in a shift or or whatever. So as much as I hate to suggest that baseball sort of adopt something from football, um, you know, having somebody help you make decisions who is a, just one centered, whether it's in the outfield or behind home plate, and two, just a little bit removed from being in that atmosphere in right. the dugout right. could help you make decisions that might not seem as obvious from there. So, you know, I think all managers are at somewhat of a disadvantage that they don't have, other than replay review calls coming in, you know, they don't have anybody who's seeing things from a different angle and maybe saying, you know what, let's try this or, you know, let, let's, let's bring in this guy uh, or, or make this double switch or don't make it. And, you know, here are the reasons why. So it's not just, it's not really necessarily a plea to have a front office run the show in terms of in-game decisions, but I would still love to see a team figure out a way. And I'm sure MLB has archaic rules about communicating with anybody who's not in the dugout or the clubhouse, but you know, a by the board way to get a better look at things. I mean, so I would this, think that a guy in, a, in the clubhouse with the right cameras set up could do that job. That's true. But still, you know, your point is one well taken. And it's not an excuse for, for any individual manager. It's just like, that's a weird spot to sit and have to make these decisions. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think that just about does it for our show for uh, this week. Um, a non-baseball note at all. This weekend is Star Wars Celebration. So we might have uh, an Episode Nine title on Monday, Chris. Yeah, okay. I guess, tomorrow, I guess uh, Friday at noon, I think, is the Episode Nine panel. Yeah. So maybe we'll have that. Um, also... Possibly a trailer, or or a trailer for the Mandalorian, the new live action show. Uh, lots of fun Star Wars stuff this weekend. Um, so if if like Chris and like me, you're a big Star Wars person, enjoy this weekend Star Wars celebration. Um, if you're not going to do that though, go to amazingavenue.com and check out what we have going on over there. Uh, minor league season is up and running, so we have our daily farm report. We have game recaps, we have news, we have analysis, we have it all. We also have a bunch of new podcasts, so please be checking out Monday's show from Complex to Queens, Tuesday's show Unformidable, Wednesday's show A Pod of Their Own, and the occasional Friday show Amazing Avenue in Conversation. Last week I spoke with Ron Darling. If you haven't checked that out yet, please do so. I had a lot of fun talking with Ron, and he's a great interview, so that was uh, super fun. So check that out. Um, find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Email us, uh, aaaudiopodcast at gmail.com. Find Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. Find me on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. Chris, leave us with a music suggestion. What, what are you listening to right now? Um, okay, well, Record Store Day is coming up mm-hmm. on Saturday. So I will say, I'll give two. Uh, one... Uh, they're, they're both Jeff Tweedy related. One is okay. Jeff Tweedy. 
Um, he played some songs at Town Hall earlier this week that were off of Warmer, which is a Record Store Day exclusive, like, B-side bonus LP. Yeah. yeah. It'll it'll be on all the digital stuff, I'm sure. You, yeah, know. you said not till later in the year. Okay. Okay. But so, yeah. but yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, if, if you like Wilco and you like his songs, it's a little more to whet your appetite until the new Wilco record, uh, you know, takes form and, and gets put out into the world. So, uh, you know, so what we heard was good. And, you know, if you're going to be out there early on Saturday morning, there's that. And then um, one that I have not actually bought the vinyl of, but I have played the hell out of uh, on Spotify, the replacements live at Maxwell's. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. I, I, I don't know where else, how else to put it, but, you know, they, uh, they just shred, you know, they just, they just rip through so many songs and, uh, you know, there are some takes on there and I've, I've, my appreciation, my appreciation of the replacements was maybe a little later than, uh, I would have liked in hindsight, but man, some of the best takes of the songs that I love are on that record. So yeah, those those two. Um, I'll throw a quick one out there. I'm trying to I'm I'm scrolling through my Spotify to try and find something that isn't so perfectly on brand for me. <laughs> like I, I, w- I was gonna say the most recent Bob Mold album is great, but of course it is, and again, that's pretty on point for me. Um, I, I might have to say Bob Mold because <laughs> hey. <laughs> I've it's a really to, good record, man. I think is. it's one of his best solo records. Yeah, I've listened to it a lot lately. It's a really good, like, springtime, getting warmer, hanging out outside with a beer album. Oh, actually, here's something. So uh, a friend of mine sent me this really cool compilation that's called Surf Age Nuggets. And it's, okay. the sub the subtitle uh, is Trash and Twang Instrumentals. And there's a song called Jack the Ripper by a band called The Valiants from early in the 60s and it's a super cool surf song and I, i've been playing it around the around the house like every day uh so much that the, my son is now really into dancing to it so jack nice. the ripper by the valiance there we go that's a that's a weird pick for you so enjoy that music check out replacements live at maxwell's check out the new tweety record check out that weird surf song and until next time let's go Mets.